Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We are getting ready for Georgia, Oregon on Saturday. So excited about that. And as we continue our preparations here, looking ahead to all the pivotal figures in the game, I think there's one name that's obviously going to get an outsized amount of attention for the good reasons. And if something goes wrong for the bad reasons, it's just kind of the nature of the beast when it comes to the quarterback position that it seems like for Georgia, Stetson Bennett's sort of been this lightning rod for conversation. And to a degree, that's been true. And in some respects, that's been specific to the situation here at UGA. But for those of you who are just sort of big sports fans, you know this, that I don't care who the quarterback is, the quarterback's going to generate a gigantic level of conversation uh, across the board, be it Bryce Young in Alabama or Bennett here in Georgia or NFL quarterback, wherever else. Quarterbacks just create a lot of conversation. You tune into a sort of a very mainstream show like the Paul Feinbaum show. What does Feinbaum talk about? He talks about coaches and quarterbacks. You know, very rarely does a running back or a linebacker or anything else get any kind of attention on a very mainstream show like that. It's basically just coaches and quarterbacks. That's all the uh, the the Feinbaum show is sort of programmed to discuss. And Bennett's kind of a guy like that. This is a very famous Georgia player. He is not probably the best player on the Georgia roster. I'd give that nod to guys like Jalen Carter and Brock Bowers. But for as good as Carter and Bowers are, I don't believe any one of either one of them are nearly as famous as Stetson Bennett is. In fact, I'm pretty sure they're not because Brock Bowers had 13 touchdowns last year and didn't even get nominated for the Young Mackey Award. So clearly a lot of folks that should don't know who Brock Bowers is. But a lot of folks things sort of seem like they do know something about Stetson Bennett. They know a degree about his story. Former walk-on guy who kind of overcame what are viewed to be improbable odds to become Georgia starting quarterback, lead the dogs to a national championship last year. A very important personal moment for him because as he's spoken about, he's a big UGA fan. You see the commercial that our buddy Mike Griffith showed this yesterday of uh, Bennett kind of in his mailman attire there. Actually, I thought he was a very good actor in the commercial. If you're watching on video, you see that radio podcast. You can't, but you can see the full thing at the Dog Nation YouTube page. But this is the kind of thing that famous people do, right? They do TV commercials and they act in commercials, and that's kind of what Bennett is. But it's also a situation now where the thing that Bennett's famous for, leading Georgia to the national championship, now that's kind of in the rearview mirror. Now you kind of turn your page to what's coming next, and you think about Okay, so what can Stetson Bennett do as an encore? And for folks curious about the game on Saturday, I think the the curiosity also kind of extends to how has Bennett used this offseason where he has unquestionably been treated as the starter? How has he used that offseason to put himself in a, in a position to lead Georgia to even more success offensively here in 2022? Well, then mine, Kirby Smart, you want to go back to Monday here for a moment, was asked specifically by our buddy Chip Towers, you know, what kind of offseason Stetson Bennett has had? What has Smart noticed about Stetson Bennett here thus far during the preseason camp leading into game week for Oregon? Smart gave you one word off the top and then went into more detail about what he has seen, what he wants to see from Stetson Bennett as you head towards Saturday, this Kirby on the quarterback. Consistency, uh, leadership, the, the things that you want your quarterback to be in terms of confidence, uh, coachable, um, and understanding how to use the offense to help you. I think, you know, anytime you got a guy that's been in a meeting room for two and three years uh, under the same system, it helps. Uh, but the reps help more than just the meeting room experience. You know, he's, he's taken more reps with the ones. He's gotten more quality work against you know, the best we got to offer, he gets to go against the best we've got every day. And I think that has helped his growth. I'm very pleased with what he's been asked, what he's done and what he's been asked to do. And, uh, you know, we need him to play well. We need him to play well because uh, he's a veteran player now. So that's Kirby Smart talking about the, the uh, growth, the consistency that he had seen from Bennett, but also that challenge to say, hey, this year in 2022, now you are the seasoned veteran quarterback, becoming that in 2021, but also stretching back to some starts you had in 2020. So Smart doesn't hold back there and saying, we need to see more from Stetson Bennett this season because that's what you ask of a player who returns 
as a senior, having had experience from the uh, previous years in his career, that you're not going to ask anything different from Bennett that you'd ask of anybody else in kind of a similar situation, regardless of whatever position they play. And I think that most Georgia fans kind of understand that. Along those lines, I thought it was very interesting from Bennett this week. And this is one of the things that's kind of cool about Stetson, I believe, is that not every player likes press conferences, and it's not really the player's job to talk about his game. It's the player's job to play his game. So I don't really have a problem when players don't enjoy speaking in a press conference form. But when you have a player that at least is willing to tolerate that, sometimes you have some really kind of cool moments. And I think one of the things that's really kind of cool about Stetson Bennett and some of his press conference stuff is, is that he's willing to be, at times, very honest. And in some cases, that's almost like a self-deprecating form of honesty where he'll you know, kind of, you know, make an evaluation of himself. In some cases, it's, you know, admitting that, you know, he believes in himself or, you know, it's sort of the good and the bad. Sometimes Stetson Bennett is just very rigorously honest in some of his uh, press conference stuff. And I think on Monday, another example of that there as well, you heard Kirby a moment ago saying what he's seen from Bennett this summer and this preseason as the unquestioned starter well, Stetson was kind of asked himself this week, what have you seen from yourself and how has it felt different this year leading to the start of the season than it did a year ago when not only were you not the starting quarterback, you weren't even expected to play at all. And Bennett, I think, got really honest about the journey that he's been on, which obviously culminates what's going to happen on Saturday and then the 11 games of the regular season that come after that. But this is good stuff from Stetson Bennett. Take a listen to this. Yeah, it's a little different. Um, yeah, I mean, every other year, you know, you don't, it's uncertainty, really. You know, I mean, last year, pretty much lucked into being able to, you know, go out there and play um, to an extent, obviously. But, uh, yeah, this year, I mean, it's, you know, you get fall camp, you get spring. You, now we're here. It's game week. Um, so I guess it, it kind of came, it's weird, it, like, came faster because you're so busy in the day, right? You're so busy day-to-day practice and all that stuff, working on little things. That you know, last year I wasn't quite as in tune because I w- not only was another starter, I wasn't the second string guy. So I was like, well, you know, probably won't happen this week, right? And uh, so you get so caught up in, in the day to day and the little things that you kind of lose track of the overall. Holy cow, it's Oregon week now. And so, thankfully, I think we've we've handled it really well and you know marked down on our calendars like we need to do this by this and and. Uh, but yeah, I mean, probably a little bit more excited than I was this time last year. So I think that's really good from Stetson Ben. I think it's introspective. I think it's honest. And like one of the things that he says there that's going to jump out of the sort of the quote from some people is, you know, I kind of lucked into what I did a year ago. And I don't mind Stetson using the word luck right there. I mean, I think most of us kind of agree that a lot of success stories in life, maybe even our own, sometimes it's sort of about being at the right place, the right time, and then taking advantage of the moment that comes your way that's sort of what being you know we use the word clutch sometimes in sports that's sort of what clutch is all about right hey I just happen to be in the right place at the right time and when I had that good luck befall me I took advantage of the moment that's kind of what it means to sort of you know sometimes build a success story and Stetson Bennett kind of did that a year ago and now you're curious to see well as you head towards 2022 what's next for him and This is where I think that Stetson can really show you something on Saturday, and I believe that he probably will. I think when you look back on Stetson a year ago, I think you see an area in which Georgia pretty clearly got better. It's pretty clear that to me that Bennett played a role in all of this, and I don't think you should lose sight of it. Take the college football playoff in particular here for a moment. Look at 33 points scored against Alabama in the national championship game. Now, that was a defensive score that was kind of involved in that, but that's still 33 points against Alabama. Uh, Michigan game prior to that uh, in the Orange Bowl. That's 34 points scored against the Michigan Wolverines there that day and a big day from Bennett that allowed that to happen. Y'all, it wasn't all that long ago that Georgia was struggling to score points against good teams. And the evolution of the Todd Munkin offense kind of changed that. But as that offense came into its even sort of, I guess, more fully formed version of its evolution – that's Stetson Bennett being uh, a really big part of that. 33 against Bama, 34 against Michigan. Go back to the beginning of the season a year ago when George was playing Clemson. It's a similar spot to where George is going to find itself on Saturday, a neutral site game against a ranked opponent. Now, to be fair, that Clemson defense in 2021, I believe, is far better than this Oregon defense probably is, and most of you would agree with that there as well. But you know the story here. Georgia didn't score an offensive touchdown there that day. This offense just wasn't quite ready to do that yet. 
Well, over the course of the season, they became more ready for those moments. And Stetson Bennett was the quarterback as that evolution took place. So you want to measure some year-over-year growth, not just for Stetson Bennett, but the Georgia offense in particular? Watch what it does against Oregon, a ranked team in a neutral site, non-conference game to begin a season. A year ago, Georgia didn't have any offensive touchdowns. How many offensive touchdowns does Georgia score on Saturday? The number that that story tells is going to speak to the growth that Bennett has shown as a player, that the Georgia offense has shown around him, and it might just be an indication that for this unit with Bennett right there at the center of it, they are in store for a very big year indeed. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Good morning to you, and thanks for being with us. And thanks to our friends at Breda Pest Management for making it all possible. Whether you join us at 945 for our first and 15 at dognation.com or or Dog Nation out there as well, or about 10 a.m. across all the fruited plain of video platforms, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Somebody asked me yesterday, B.A., do you ever take any comments at a twitch uh we're gonna we're, we're gonna figure out how to find the show on twitch and we'll start taking some comments over there so for all you uh hipsters and gamers and people like that that watch the show on twitch we'll see if we can figure out where y'all are at some point in time and we'll join you over there and start taking some comments but no matter which platform you watch the show on we are really happy that you uh, do or you listen on podcast uh radio and 960 the ref however you get to us just a really really sincere uh, thank uh gratitude for me about the fact that you do tune in and that you're a part of all of that. Also, big thanks to our friends at Breda Pest Management for making it all possible. And listen, here's the thing you know. Breda Pest Management is the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. It means they're taking care of Sanford Stadium and Stegman Coliseum, all the uh, UGA Athletic venues. They're taking care of all of those, so you know they have kind of this unparalleled service. But it's also the resource they have, the fact they've been in business since the 1970s, the fact they got more than 100-something employees doing great work for you. They can lean on all those resources to also provide you this great service at a better price than you're currently paying. So take a look at that pest control service you currently have and look at the price you're being paid for that. Maybe you've got that letter in the mail that says, ah, guess what? It's going up. Your, your, your cost is about to increase here. That's not going to be true at Breda Pest Management. When you make the switch to Breda, you're going to save instantly by doing that. They've been a big part of what we've been doing on high school football uh, thus far this year. They're a huge part of our community. Uh, Matt's a big sports fan, loves the dogs, but I'll probably see him on Saturday because uh, we do see each other at games all the time. So that's the kind of company you're doing business with, big sports fans, big dog fans, uh, pillars in our community, but also just really good at their business and figuring out a way to provide a great service to you for cheaper than you're currently uh, paying for. So go ahead and check out Breda Pest on that, bredapest.com. That's B-R-E-D-A, bredapest.com. You can find them today and switch and save money instantly when you get your pest control provisions there from Breda Pest Management. I don't think provisions is quite the right word, but uh, but you get the point that I'm trying to make there on all that with our friends at Breda Pest Management. All right, we're going to get Mike Griffith here coming up in just a couple of moments. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse here today. And yesterday, Kirby Smart spoke to the media after practice concluded, and a couple of Georgia players spoke there as well. Keely Ringo was one of those, and I'm going to invite you to go to the Dog Nation YouTube page, and you can hear everything that Ringo had to say yesterday. I thought it was really good stuff. But I want to focus for a moment, if you don't mind, on something that Kirby said about Keeley Ringo. Because here's the thing you know, is that Ringo is in kind of a rare category in that he comes back to Georgia after a year ago giving Georgia one of the most memorable plays in program history. Like that's a a big statement to make, but we know that it's true. His interception pick six that, that sealed the game against Alabama, that is as big as it gets for UGA. And so now he returns to Georgia. And so Kirby was asked yesterday, I think this is an interesting question. I think it's a a good answer from Smart. He was asked, hey, how do you coach a guy knowing that what he just did is the kind of thing that's going to live on forever? I thought that Smart gave a a really strong answer to a question like that. Let me let you hear it, and then I want to talk about it. This is Kirby from yesterday. You're just honest with him. I mean, you're honest with him. He'd be the first to admit, I mean, the the play doesn't define the player. You know, and I think so many people in the – Fans, they want to do that, but that's he can't let that do that to him. Otherwise, he's limiting himself to plateauing where he is, and and he, he can still ascend. You know, he's a young player. He's only really played two years of, of football with us, so he has a lot of things he can improve on, and he's worked really hard on them. He's gotten uh, so much better with his tackling and his physicality, and he, he continues to improve on that. So I think that's really an interesting point from Smart. It's the kind of thing that 
I feel like I could speak about for quite a long time because I think it brings up a pretty interesting conversation as it relates to sports. Here's the one thing I think we all kind of understand, even if we don't quite say it out loud this way, that the thing that makes greatness great is rarity, right? Great players are great because there aren't very many players like them. Great moments are great because there aren't too many moments that conjure up the same kind of feelings as these specific moments do. And when you have an interception return for a touchdown that seals a win against Nick Saban in Alabama for a national championship, y'all, that's a that's a great moment. And most of us have some sort of history of sports in our background. We played in high school. Some of y'all played in college. And even for people who play sports, even for, for people who have an athletic background, most athletes, most coaches, most people involved in sports don't ever actually achieve something that gets described as great because, once again, great is rare by definition but Ringo did he had a great moment but the thing that smart is kind of touching on there and this is so important is that having a great moment does not necessarily make you a great player I think that Ringo is a very good player and he may become a great player but the great moment doesn't make you great the great moment is the kind of thing where as we've talked about before sometimes it's just sort of being in the right place at the right time like I'm a huge Braves fan Go back to my childhood in 1992 when Francisco Cabrera got the base hit, Sid Bream slid in home, the Braves got a walk-off to win the 1992 NLCS. You know, it's, Sid slid. It's one of the most you know memorable moments in Atlanta Braves history. It's a great moment. But Cabrera, the guy who got the hit, not really thought of as a great player. Sid Bream is a beloved player, but he's not really thought of as a great player either. None of those guys are in the Hall of Fame or anything like that. Great moment, but not great players. And so Keely Ringo actually kind of finds himself in kind of a situation that that most athletes will never be in. He has always already contributed to a great moment. And if he never does anything else with his athletic career, he can come back and do autograph shows. He's going to be featured in paintings. He'll be a part of the pregame video package like he's going to live on forever. But you can turn this great moment into a great career. You can become a great player and have this be simply one of the moments in which you're remembered for. You may go on to be like Champ Bailey and put a gold jacket on one day, something along those lines. And the thing that happened in the 2021 National Championship game will simply just be one of the things that you did. So I'm sure Ringo's already cashed in on the NIL standpoint on this, and I'm sure he'll be cashing in on this for as long as his life goes on. But he doesn't have to be defined by just a great moment. He could take the step towards being a great player. And I think it's interesting that Kirby Smart says what he says about that yesterday. Before I bring on Mike Griffith, let me also remind you that tomorrow is a very big day here around Dog Nation as we do our season preview kickoff event at the Marlowe's Tavern in Dunwoody. And we do it in style with the great former Georgia quarterback Jake Fromm, beloved former dog who's going to be on hand for that talking about this 2022 season, uh, telling stories about his own time there at UGA, what it's like to be a player under Coach Kirby Smart. This is going to be great stuff from Jake Fromm tomorrow. It's 6 p.m. at the Marlowe's in Dunwoody. That's 1317 Dunwoody Village Parkway. That's 1317 Dunwoody Village Parkway. Weather permitting, we're going to do it outside. They have a beautiful lawn out front there. That's going to be really fun. Our friends at the Finished Long Drink are going to be on hand for that. You love that. There is a chance, I've been told, we may be giving away some dog nation duck hunt t-shirts which i know you're excited about and of course jake from and i know you're excited about that there as well so see jake tomorrow see me tomorrow the dog nation team on hand 6 p.m 1317 dunwoody village parkway for a great season kickoff event at the marlowe's in dunwoody for now though as we look ahead towards that season kickoff let's find out what's been going on in athens how georgia is getting ready for oregon on saturday we call this a georgia farm bureau practice report our buddy mike griffith provides it for us here on dog nation daily glad to have him and all of you with us today From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Well, say hello to Mike Griffith here. He's had great coverage from Athens, uh, getting a chance to see some practice the other day and hearing from Georgia coaches and players over the course of the last couple of days. Mike, before we get rolling on anything else, let, let me bring you in on what I was just discussing. You're a sports fan. You've been around the block a couple times. You know, not every great moment in sports is provided by a player who goes on himself to be great. You know, uh, uh Robert Ory hits game-winning shots in the NBA, but he wasn't the best player in any of those teams. You want to go back to ancient times before I was born, Bucky Dent hits a home run for the Yankees. He's really only remembered for that moment. 
you know, sometimes the great moment is not a great player. And for Kirby Smart to kind of lay it out there, hey, for Keely Ringo, do you want to be a great moment guy or do you want to actually be a great player? It's the kind of mo- sort of decisive, you know, moment that most players won't get a chance to, to ever encounter, but Ringo does. And I thought that Smart laid that out pretty well yesterday. Oh, no question. Uh, you know, and I think that's a challenge for all the athletes. You wonder, you know, have they peaked? Are they ever going to be able to do anything beyond that that's going to get them any greater fame or recognition? And that's a fair question for Keeley. Uh, I do think, though, B.A., that, that he does look to be a first-round NFL draft pick, and and certainly he'll he'll be able to cash in on that. I mean, I'm not sure what we're going to see on the field. Kirby pointed out there were some other plays in the championship game that, that weren't exactly highlights, but you know, you look at Keeley's size and speed. Uh, Kirby talked yesterday about his improved physicality and tackling. I mean, he sounds well on his way to being a first-round NFL draft pick, and, and there's no telling what heights that he might reach in the NFL. But certainly that's a play, uh, an oil painting moment, if you will, that I think will you know live forever in the Georgia history books. And to be fair, I don't think you can discount what you just said there, which is to have a first-round cornerback, which is – pretty much what all the mock drafts are saying right now in your secondary is incredibly valuable now you'll say well there were you know moments in which he didn't play perfectly a year ago I would say Mike at the position of cornerback that's just the way that it goes when you're attacked deep down the field as much as offenses attack opposing defenses these days you know cornerbacks don't pitch perfect games in college football anymore just because of just how many passing plays they're being asked to defend but when you do play the game at a high enough level that apparently you're getting this attention from NFL draft scouts I do believe that's a very valuable commodity for UGA I mean I think there's a chance I mean certainly Jalen Carter is a first round pick on the defensive line something you know calamitous would have to happen for that not to be true I think that Nolan Smith has the potential to be a first round pick at the outside linebacker spot that's a swing guy that could go one way or the other and I think that Ringo is a very likely first round pick in the defensive secondary so for a Georgia defense that has to rebuild itself here a little bit to, to use Nick Saban's favorite word to have a first-round pick potentially at all three levels of the defense, that's a pretty good building block towards that rebuild, I would say, if it does kind of play out that way. Yeah, no question. Uh, you know, it is a defense with a lot of talent and just needs experience, right? You start right out against an Oregon team that's going to know uh, how and where to test you, and, and that's kind of what makes this uh, opening game so intriguing. No, I think that's exactly right. And I talked about sets a minute before you joined us there as well, and I think one of the things going to be interesting to see is in a similar spot to where Georgia found itself a year ago, last year, neutral site game, non-conference opponent, better defense will be playing on Saturday by a long shot probably, but still, it's, it's a similar comparison. Georgia didn't score an offensive touchdown there that day. Well, you look at the last couple of games for Georgia, once again against ranked opponents in kind of a neutral site fashion, playoff game against Michigan, national championship against Alabama. We have the defense that scored in the Bama game, but you're still above 30 points in both those games. I think this is a good moment for Stetson on Saturday to show his growth over the course of the last year, for Georgia as an offense to show its growth uh, in year three under Todd Munkin. You know, what can you go out and do offensively against Oregon? I've made no secret about this, Mike. I think that Georgia's going to have a good defensive day on Saturday. I truly believe that's the case. But how much offense can Georgia show and kind of demonstrate year-over-year growth, kind of demonstrate year over year over year growth for Todd Munkin as he enters his third season here on the job it could be a pretty interesting measuring stick to see exactly what this Georgia offense I think is bringing to the table yeah I'd say so you know and obviously it's it's complimentary football I don't want to get too you know wrapped up in just you know one element because one hand does wash the other I mean you know, you look at the Georgia offense in the SEC championship game, and it was pretty comparable to what it was in the national championship game at the end of the day. The difference was the defense, clearly, was much better in the national championship game and than it was in the SEC title game. So now this year we're, we're kind of changing the script a little bit. We think, we think, we don't know, but we think that the offense is, is going to take more of a lead role in this, and, and we'll see more four quarters, right? I mean, it's hard to judge. Uh, Stetson in his entirety, because like Todd Munkin said, there were a lot of second halves that, you know, Georgia shut it down. I mean, my goodness, Brandon, they'd still be scoring against UAB if Kirby hadn't pulled the plug. I mean, you know, Stetson was, what, 10 of 12 for 280 yards and five touchdowns in the first half. 
He had five touchdown throws in the first half. So, goodness, that, that could have been, you know, Georgia could have put up 60 or 70 points that day. You know, this season I wonder if Kirby is more aggressive keeping his foot on the gas for a couple of reasons. One, a younger defense. Uh, you know, that, that you know needs to grow into the season, and I think it will. I mean, the talent is very clear. But two, let's just say it, recruiting, the Arch Mannings, the receivers that are show the world that, yes, you know, if Kirby has the offensive players that he feels comfortable with and the game plan calls for it, you can put up as good as offensive numbers at Georgia's anywhere else. And, and I think that's that's something that needs to happen. I think if there's an image issue... Uh, Georgia has not had a Heisman Trophy finalist since 1992. That does matter to players more than ever in IL era. I think I think Kirby's going to have the offense on display. So, and I think Stetson's going to be a big benefactor of that. Uh, he's worked really hard in the off season with his footwork and to improve the velocity on his passes. And Dan Lanning's going to put him to the test right out of the gate. He's going to try to jam up the middle of the field and make Stetson make those difficult second level throws. Not arm strength, arm talent timing, velocity, footwork from within the pocket. Lanny's going to do everything he can to test Stetson, and Georgia knows it. And they've been working on all that stuff this whole offseason. So I'm, I'm excited for Stetson to have this opportunity uh, to show everyone how much he's improved. Okay, so I want to have this conversation with you because I think you and I actually agree on this maybe more than it might seem, but I have a different perspective in one area. So you say that the Georgia offense needs to kind of turn it up a little bit, and you talk about recruiting as one of the reasons why. I don't disagree with that. But, Mike, the one thing that I think you and I are a little bit different on is, is like I don't see a ton of value in doing this stuff late in games. Like Let's say that Georgia had scored 100 points against UAB. I'm not really quite so sure like what that would have meant overall. Would that have made a Georgia better team uh, in that particular situation? However, the one thing that I, I think that Georgia should do and this kind of goes to what you're saying. Like you say, hey, Georgia just needs to kind of turn it up offensively more. You benefit recruiting, and it might help the defense. I agree with that. But the place I think they need to turn it up, Mike, they just need to be more aggressive in the red zone. They need to throw more in the red zone. And listen, I think that Georgia should believe in Stetson Bennett. I believe that it probably does. But as I've said on this show before, if you do, Mike, if you're Georgia and you believe in Bennett, then turn him loose in the red zone. Last year, Georgia was like the national average, you know, somewhere around 70th, you know, 65th, 70th in the country when it comes to red zone trips resulting in touchdowns. That that Georgia just didn't convert red zone trips into touchdowns at kind of a national elite level a year ago. They were still eighth nationally in scoring, but they weren't turning those red zone trips into touchdowns, which means they could have scored even more points potentially. They would have also taken some more risk and may have come out with zero points. But but they could have even scored even more points had they been a little bit more aggressive, I believe, in the red zone. So you say that Georgia needs to turn it up offensively. I don't disagree with you on that. My point would be don't do it in the garbage time of a fourth quarter against an overmatched opponent. Do it in the red zone early in the game when you have a chance to really throttle somebody at the very get-go. You know, Be a little bit more aggressive when you get into that kind of scoring area that's the place, Mike, where I think that Georgia has a chance to have a value add offensively. Well, I think this year they do for sure. Um, you know, uh, you know, but a, a couple things about that though. You know, you're also playing. You know, last year was was very unique in that you had a world class defense, and the only way you were going to really lose games last year is if you turned the ball over. The SEC championship game was a prime example. As long as you didn't beat yourself you were going to win every game. And we saw that in the national title game. I mean, for three quarters, the Georgia offense pretty much stopped. But the defense was so darn good that there was time for that offense to finally get it fired up. And, in fact, the only Alabama touchdown came after a turnover, right? So when you have a defense like that, you're more reluctant to take chances. And I think that's why Georgia may have been somewhat conservative. Just get those three points. You got to de- If you're only giving up 6.9 points per game, as Georgia was in the regular season – Kick that field goal. Get those points. Don't take any chances. Don't give their off and don't give them any life. Just get that championship defense on the field. Now, as far as late in the game and how you go about it, uh, you know, here's where I think it's a little different. I think you, you had Terrence Edwards on and talking about this before. Jermaine Burton had a, catch, a game where he had eight catches for 197 yards. It's a receiver's dream. The next week he caught three balls. He's at Alabama right now because you don't throw the ball enough 
right? You're not receiver-friendly. Meanwhile, Dejon Edwards has 13 carries in the fourth quarter. To me, I think I'm putting the backup quarterback in, and I'm feeding those receivers because receivers play that position because they want to catch passes. You know, it would be like if you know someone hired you and didn't put you on air. Brandon Adams is on air. That's what he does. He's an on-air talent. What are we, what are we doing? Got him mowing the lawn. You've got to give your receivers some sugar. You've got to feed these guys. They want to catch the football. That's, they, they're afraid to come to Georgia. What do you mean? You want to go to Georgia and be the leading receiver with 28 catches? That, look at the receiver numbers last year. You could add up Lad McConkey and Jermaine Burton, your top two pass catchers last year, and not equal, and, and barely equal what Brock Bowers did by himself. In the SEC title game, you threw it to Brock Bowers 16 times he was targeted. He made 10 catches. He's incredible. I'm not arguing that. I mean, heck, he's the best player on the field. He was the offensive MVP. But you could combine all the receivers' targets in that game and not equal the tight end. And these are not unique metrics to me. These are the metrics that are keeping receivers coming from Georgia. Yeah, but Terrence said that. You know, even if you're a team player, these guys do pay attention to the numbers. I mean, that thousand yard receiver thing, I don't know, two thousand three. So I think this is an opportunity this year with a sixth year quarterback, with a I think the best offensive coordinator in college football, with a dynamic offensive line that I think is also the best in college football, and some great targets. My goodness, how in the world is anybody gonna cover Eric Gilbert and Darnell and, and Brock and A.D. Mitchell. and you know This, to me, is a year where you could really showcase what Georgia can do throwing the ball. Okay, but if you threw the ball to Burton when you could have thrown it to Bowers, to me, that would be a huge mistake because Bowers is just a better player. Bowers had 13 touchdowns a year ago, Mike. Uh, I think that Brock Bowers was probably the third best wide receiver in the SEC last year and probably one of the five or six best receivers in the entire country. There wasn't a receiver in Ohio State that had more touchdowns than he had a year ago. He and Olave had the same number. Garrett Wilson had fewer. That The reason why Burton got less touches than Bowers is because Burton's an inferior player. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and that's, and that's not the argument. The argument is what are you doing in the fourth quarter. I agree, you, you get the ball to your best player every good game plan, but I'm saying what do we do in the fourth quarter when we see Georgia, you know, with a 10-point lead, are you going to hand off to Dejon Edwards 13 times? Are you going to put in Vanda Griffin back and, and give them some experience and get these receivers some touches and not, not use up Brock Bowers so that he's, you know, injured by the end of the year? Um, you know, he wasn't 100%. I mean, my goodness, he was like a battering ram. And there, there were times I felt in season, in the fourth quarter of games, that Georgia would have had opportunities to play young quarterbacks, A or B, Get the ball to receivers. Again, Dejon Edwards is a great player, but your fifth-string running back had 13 carries in one game, and your elite receivers only had three or four catches. All I'm saying is when you have the opportunity to get the ball to these guys, to keep them happy, to keep them in the program, to recruit to that, I'm by no means saying throw it to force it to anybody. Don't force it to Jermaine Burton over – my goodness, that would be ridiculous. I just said Brock Bowers was the MVP of the team. But as Todd Munkin said, if you put more three tight end formations on the field, you're going to have a line in the transfer portal of your receivers. So Todd Munkin is aware of that, and now it's just a matter of Georgia rectifying that, I believe, by showcasing their offense. I think it's okay to put points up. And, and one more argument, Brandon, while we're at it, final argument on this, 2018, Georgia was left out of the college football playoff with two losses. Now, there's never been a two-loss team that's gotten in. I recognize that. But that Georgia team in 2018, the Jake Fromm quarterback, was definitely better than the Oklahoma team that was down 28-0 to at 16 minutes against Alabama. But they didn't win the beauty contest. And as long as we have a college football playoff committee, the numbers, the statistics, the lopsided margins, those things do matter beyond recruiting. They matter if you're trying to lobby your way in to a 14 playoff. Let's just hope that the playoffs expand soon and, and we don't have to worry about uh, you know, some closed-door meeting you know, and, and what Subway sandwiches and, and you know, throwing you know, darts at a billboard, a, a bullseye at, you know, with the Oklahoma AD you know, getting his team in. Let's just hope with these playoffs expand. 
Okay, I want to do some rapid-fire stuff with you to kind of close this out. We'll do that in a second. Let me first remind folks, though, this is our Georgia Farm Bureau practice report, our insider update with Mike Griffith. And we're happy to have him on the show, happy to have Georgia Farm Bureau with us there as well, because Georgia Farm Bureau can really do some great stuff for you when it comes to insurance products like your home insurance and your auto insurance. And the reason why they're able to do that is because Georgia Farm Bureau agents live and work and do life in communities just like yours across our state. Georgia Farm Bureau is always the home team. That means they're working hard to, to save you money and provide you good insurance for the vehicle that helps get you to work and the home that you raise your family in. Georgia Farm Bureau understands all of that, keeping their promise no matter the storm. That is what Georgia Farm Bureau is always about. So find them online at gfbinsurance.com. That's gfbinsurance.com and find out all the ways in which they can benefit you when it comes to great insurance products, your home insurance, your auto insurance, all of that from our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau. So make sure you check them out today, gfbinsurance.com. All right, Mike, let's do a couple of rapid fire things here just really quick to kind of set the stage uh, on Saturday. Kenny McIntosh, very buzzed about here this summer. Uh, in, in this preseason, how big of a season do you think uh, McIntosh could be in store for based on what's been said about him over the course of the last couple of weeks? thousand yards. I think DeAndre Swift-like. Um, That's very good. That's very interesting to be able to hear. How do you handicap what's happening right now for the Georgia offensive line? Seems like Ratledge is healthy at right guard. What do you th- What do you see happening there at left guard? I'm still not sold on Ratledge. I think he's healthy enough, but I just don't know if you press the issue. This is the only really challenging opponent you have till October. Left guard, I would, I guess, I would go with with um, man here between Willick and Trust. Sure, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Trust because it's an opener and he's been there before. But I think you're going to see both of them a lot. We've talked plenty about Jamon Dumas Johnson. What do you think about the other inside linebackers? Whether it be like a Smile Mondon, or you know, there's occasionally been a little bit of buzz about Tres Marshall or Xavier Sorry. How do you feel about the other inside linebackers uh, beyond Jamon Dumas Johnson? Well, Kirby sent Kirby sent uh, Smile Mondon out to talk to the media, so I'm going to take that as a, as a sign that that's who the head coach might be starting there. You get the sense that the two best uh, freshmen on this defense right now might be Mikael Williams and Malachi Starks. They seem, they certainly seem to be the most buzzed about here at the moment. There's no question. I also wonder, are we? I, Kamari Lasseter is a sophomore. He's not a redshirt freshman. Yeah, I, I absolutely think you're right about that. I mean, Kirby's really high on Starks, as high as I've ever heard him on a freshman DB. And Mikael Williams just sounds like he's ready to go into takeover mode. And then the last thing is this. Um, you and I talked about Brock Bowers a lot a moment ago. It's a very deep Georgia tight end room, and there are a lot of guys that could potentially have very big seasons. I get the impression that maybe of the non-Brock Bowers category that maybe Darnell Washington's had the best preseason. Uh, is that the sense that you get from obviously being in Athens every day? Yeah, no question. Darnell's a grown man. It's a business trip. He's ready. He's healthy. It's going to be exciting to see him in the race. Speaking of red zone, Brandon, yeah. there you go. There's your guy. <laughs> Look for zero. Throw it in the middle of that big zero. Or, heck, throw it eight feet up in the air. This guy's going up and getting it. And I think Darnell Watt, if, I, if this was fantasy football, he'd be one of the top tight ends I'd be drafting because I think he is a red zone nightmare matchup. I think he's virtually unstoppable in the red zone. Mike, good stuff. Thanks for helping us cover this game on Saturday. Georgia, Oregon, your Georgia Farm Bureau practice report, a big step in that direction for us. So we'll look forward to speaking to you here very soon. I will see you in uh, Atlanta on Saturday, and we'll read more from you at dognation.com in between. Thanks, Brandon. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, so just kind of rehash this just for a second here. Like, I don't disagree that Georgia, you know, it would do Georgia some good to turn the dial offensively just a little bit more. They were, you know, 38, 39 points a game a year ago. I said before, I'd like to see them get to 42 here this year. I don't, I don't think I, I don't think that's an unrealistic goal. Now, they're going to go score 42 on Saturday. You know, maybe not this particular Saturday, but for a season, can they score 42 per game? I think they could. And I think that, you know, there are some moments in which being aggressive would do them some good. You know, kicking around a lifeless opponent in garbage time is meaningless to me it's just meaningless to me and if you're the kind of player that pouts because you know they're not feeding you you know late in the game against a you know a beaten opponent then I don't know what that says to me about you necessarily if any Georgia player would ever would ever do that I just think the garbage time just gets overrated a lot and frankly I don't know that you're gonna find any team anywhere that's doing very much with its garbage time because in a grind of a season 
all you want to do is get out of the game. Like, like, like nobody wants to take an easy win and make it harder than it needs to be. If you're up big, you want out. And for the most part, everybody kind of runs and choose clock. And when you have an easy win, you take yes for an answer and you move on to the next week. But that doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities for Georgia to kind of make some decisions differently. One of the things I do, I'd like to see them do, and, and y'all watch this yourself. When Georgia enters the 20-yard line on Saturday, when it is in the red zone, see what they do. Um, is, is it a team that's running the football? Is it a team that's willing to kind of throw the ball up to a Darnell Washington, use those tight ends to get really creative right there? You know, obviously Todd Munkin, we believe, is a very sharp offensive coordinator. Well, that's the place to show your intelligence. That's the place to show how smart you are by what you're able to dial up. So you want more points from Georgia? The stats would tell you that the red zone is the place where they can get them because that's the one area, one of the very few areas, I think a year ago, in which they were kind of below the National League category, almost across the board, both sides of the ball, special teams included. Georgia pretty much plays at a national elite level. That's how you win national championships. You have to be basically good everywhere. But they weren't really very good in the red zone, about national average, you know, 60th something in the country in terms of converting those trips into touchdowns. And so that's something to watch for going on Saturday. You want more points? That's the place I believe the points are going to come from. Now, let's get ready to go cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Uh, I'm laughing here because I, I got the same tweet from a few of y'all yesterday as it relates to Royal Caribbean. I'm going to save this and show this as a part of our uh, Golden Shoe uh, later on this week. But it's, it's funny, some of y'all definitely know me very well now. And I'll show you more about that as we kind of go through the week. You know, I love Royal Caribbean, what a lot of you know. And I was thinking about this. There's that you talk about life just kind of working out well for you. It's like I got a great college football season to enjoy right now. Terrific high school football season there as well. And um, when that's done, it's cruise time. I'm going on a cruise in December. I'm going on a cruise in February. I'm maybe going on another cruise after that, uh, which I'll look forward to telling you more about as we kind of get ready for that. So I've got at least two Royal Caribbean cruises booked right now. May have a third before you even know it. Uh, and that is just a great way to be. So love college football and I love cruising uh, once the season's done. Can't wait to be doing that again. And my invitation to you is to do the same thing. You can check out our friend Jessica Slater. She works for Dream Vacations and she knows Royal Caribbean so well. She's been on a million Royal Caribbean cruises. Uh, she has all the experience that she can give to you to help you book the perfect Royal Caribbean cruise vacation for yourself. So give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Or check her out online at dreamvation... Blah, blah, blah. We'll edit that out. Dreamvacations.com slash Jay Slater. We actually won't edit that out, but you get my point. Dreamvacations.com slash Jay Slater. You can uh, check her out. By the way, our friends at Royal Caribbean are also going to be with us this year for the Dog Nation postgame show. A lot of you like following the scores for the other SEC games while we're doing the postgame show. So we're going to go cruise around the SEC with some pretty important SEC scores as we uh, do the postgame show on Saturday. So fun to have Royal Caribbean as a part of that on our Dog Nation postgame show there as well. And speaking of the SEC, let's go cruise around the SEC right now. I saw where Lou Holtz, who's the former Notre Dame coach and a former national champion there with the Fighting Irish, said something very interesting this week. He was talking about how that when Brian Kelly was LH, was Notre Dame coach, that when uh, uh, Holtz would write him letters and things like that, that Kelly never responded. I want to show you the quote here. Uh, so uh, Johnny uh, Congdon reports this on Twitter. Holt says, I wrote Brian Kelly maybe eight positive letters during his time at Notre Dame, and I go to the mailbox every day hoping to find an answer. First of all, I think it's kind of quaint <laughs> that Holtz expects all this uh, correspondence to take place via written letter uh, as if it was the Civil War. But nonetheless, he says uh, he never responded to any of them. Which, listen, I think it's very easy to sort of picture how this plays out, right? Like Lou Holtz is a... He's a very earnest, sincere man. You know, you saw him on ESPN years ago. You kind of seen some of the, like the, the speeches that he does. And I'm sure if you're Brian Kelly, like I don't have time to see the magic trick. I don't have time to see you know the stuff that, that Holtz is always doing. I don't have time to do all that. Uh, I'm trying to run a program here. But when you're the head coach at a place like Notre Dame or a place like LSU, where Brian Kelly is now, you're sort of supposed to play the game here a little bit. And And part of the game that you have to play is you do have to kind of like, you know, cheese with the old coach and show the photo off and 
you know, all that kind of stuff. We see, you know, we see everybody doing this all the time. Every, you know, other day I saw uh, Mike White, the new Georgia basketball coach, posed with Hugh Durham. Not to say that he wouldn't want to do that, but whether he wants to or not, that's just what you got to do. You've got to show respect for the history of the program that came before you, especially when the guy that came before you did something that Brian Kelly never sniffed doing, which won a national championship because in the three chances he had his best shot at that, 2012 BCS title game, a couple trips to the college football playoff, he got dragged all over the field. So maybe you ought to bend the knee to Lou Holtz a little bit because he knew how to win a national championship and you didn't. I don't care how corny he is or anything like that. That's still that's just what you got to do. And this is the kind of stuff that Brian Kelly just kind of hasn't done. I've told you before, I think Brian Kelly's a pretty good coach. I think his history of winning games when he's favored, winning games against unranked competition. I think this sort of speaks to the kind of coach that doesn't really lose to bad teams. That's that's one of the hallmarks of being a good coach, that that when he's playing in a game he's supposed to win, generally speaking, Brian Kelly's teams have won. And being a good coach at a good program, which LSU is, last three coaches that have been there have all won national championships. That ought to be a good marriage. But if you're Brian Kelly, you have to be very careful that your ego doesn't mess this up. Because the same guy that never returned Lou Holtz correspondence is likely to also rub somebody the wrong way at LSU. And if you don't think they won't dribble you like a basketball and pass you right out of that program, you are kidding yourself. So Brian Kelly is at LSU because based on the standards of winning a national championship, Kelly failed at Notre Dame. Kelly realized it was never going to happen for him. And so, therefore, he had to exit LSU to get the thing that his co- current coaching resume doesn't have, which is a championship. By that standard, he needs LSU more than LSU needs Brian Kelly. Yes, LSU likes to make the big hire, spend big bucks, and bring in kind of the flashy name. But Brian Kelly's not the only guy they could have potentially done that with. He's just the guy that, that took the job because Lincoln Riley was too scared to. But nonetheless, Kelly still needs the talent and the resources that LSU provides because what Notre Dame provided wasn't enough to help Brian Kelly win a championship he needs Baton Rouge more than Baton Rouge needs him and let's watch and see this year next year let's watch and see if Kelly's ego can be contained enough to realize that you know what uh this is a place where I better show some respect for history better show some respect for people who've done it better than I've done it and I think it remains to be seen if Brian Kelly can actually do that there um I saw where uh uh Kyle Whittingham, the Utah coach. We'll talk more about this game in a moment. And that's not where Kyle Whittingham, the Utah coach, in talking about Anthony Richardson, um, was talking about how he's like Cam Newton, basically. You know, big guy, can throw it. And we know how dangerous Newton was for Auburn in 2010. We don't like Auburn. A lot of you don't like Newton. But you can't deny that he was a force to be reckoned with when it comes to the quarterback position. I mean, that's just, that's just a fact, right? It's just true. And when Whittingham looked at Anthony Richardson, he's like, I see the same kind of guy. This is a Cam Newton-level player for Florida and listen I think there's a chance that Richardson probably does have a pretty good year for Florida I think one of the biggest mistakes that Dan Mullen made at Florida is not embracing Richardson more he seemed to have a little bit of a you know a thing about uh, Emory Jones and you know he kind of put a lot of his eggs in the Emory Jones basket and didn't want to kind of backtrack on that I think ultimately that's one of the big errors that Dan Mullen probably made as Florida coach let me just say this about Richardson is that Richardson has always looked like Cam Newton. He's always had a big arm. He's always been a good athlete. Like, he's always had all of that. Like, you know, this was true in high school. It's true now. Like, it's always been true. Like, you're not the first person to sort of say, oh, it kind of looks like Cam Newton. Like, people have kind of thought this before based on the way that he runs, based on the way that he throws, based on that kind of stuff. And yet, even with that athletic profile, he was still just a three-star recruit. Now, I'm not saying that doesn't mean that, you know, you can't be better than your recruiting ranking shows. Gosh knows Georgia's had a million guys who've kind of exceeded their recruiting ranking. But but he's always looked the way that he's looked, and he's always been somewhat doubted, whether it be recruiting industry, coaches on the Florida staff. My suggestion is there might be some reason why that's true, that, 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 that maybe it's not likely to all kind of come together for him this magical season, a la Cam Newton or you know anybody else that's had great success in kind of a one-year story in the SEC that that when you've got all of the athletic credentials but you're still doubted this much there might be a reason they're doubting you so just maybe keep that in mind when it comes to Anthony Richardson we'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean by the way speaking of Florida Utah that is also one of our my bookie best bets here for the upcoming uh week now we're going to make these picks officially as a part of I go with the flow later on this week on the Dog Nation video channels. That's actually going to air on a new time this season, uh, Friday nights for my uh, 
uh, fun show, which we call Go With The Flow, and we'll do that then. These are the games we're going to be picking. I'm going to give you some early thoughts on this here right now. Georgia's at 17, 17-point favored against Oregon. That's the line currently found at my bookie. I'm going to be very honest with you here. I like Georgia a lot in this game, but if you're betting this, I do think the point spread matters. I'm not taking Georgia above 17, 17 and a half, getting into 18, things like that. I think you're getting into a, a pretty rich price on Georgia there at that point. I think 17 is kind of a pretty good number here. Obviously, if you could find anything less than 17 heading towards game time, that might be one to jump on there. The bet that I like here, though, is Oregon team total under. And I'll take that at almost any price. Let you know I've called for Georgia shutout here, which maybe I'm, I sort of half kiddingly have seriously say that. But the point is, I like Georgia defense on Saturday, and I'll see that reflected in the team total under for Oregon. That'd actually be my play there on that. Let me give you a few more of these here really quickly. Cincinnati on the road at Arkansas. They're a six-point underdog. Uh, I like Arkansas here. I think and I'll tell you more about this on Go With The Flow later on this week, but I, I think Arkansas is well coached. Probably got the best tandem of coordinators outside of Georgia and the SEC. Um, I think they got a you know a, a good quarterback situation working with Kendall Browse there at the OC spot. I, I think that Reynolds Razorback Stadium is going to be rocking there on Saturday. Kind of like the Hogs here in this spot. Utah, Florida, believe it or not, and this is not going to um make a lot of you happy but listen when it comes to your wallet you got to be as objective as you possibly can be given where the number is right now at my bookie utah as a three-point favorite i like florida against utah and i know you don't want to hear that and as like a gator hater i'm not supposed to do that but y'all this is still a team from salt lake city coming into an sec stadium week one the humidity is going to be 9,000%. I've got zero respect for a, for a Pac-12 team in this spot. Zero respect whatsoever. So I hate Florida. I'm going to be cheering against Florida in the game. I'm not, well, certainly never bet enough on it to make it be where I couldn't cheer against Florida. But in terms of the integrity of the pick and in terms of trying to be as fair and balanced as possible, I think Florida plus three is actually a pretty good play right there. And frankly, Florida ought to be ashamed of itself if it gets beaten in its own stadium by Utah. I don't care what the Utes are ranked. Notre Dame 17, Ohio State. Just keep this in mind about this game. We'll talk more about this. Keep this in mind. Uh, new Notre Dame coach, very, very aware of this point spread against Ohio State. It came up around the NFL draft. And there is a way to coach yourself to a game that's less than 17 points. And it would not surprise me, as kind of the Irish sort of begin a new era here, they kind of look to do that. I think that I would never expect it to be a close game where Notre Dame has a chance to win. But could Notre Dame keep it closer than the experts think in terms of 17 points? I think the Irish could be worth a look there on that. I'll also take LSU over Florida State. That game's in uh, New Orleans on Sunday. Uh, so I would take uh, LSU there on that. That number stands at three points right now. Now, you are probably better at picking games than I am, and if you are, you can put your money where your mouth is and make a little bit of cash for your expertise. Our friends at MyBookie allow you to do that. You can find them online, mybookie.ag. You can bet on anything, any place, anywhere, anytime, whether it be college football games, heading towards the NFL, regular season baseball. I'm talking about you know props and money line and uh, over unders. You know you want to bet the spread. You can do all of that with our friends at mybookie. And when you use the promo code Dog Nation, you're going to get a big 100% deposit bonus on your initial deposit. That means when you sign up, you throw in like $200 in your account, they're going to give you $400 right there, right away, just for doing that. That's what my bookie is kind of famous for, taking good care of their players. So you put in $250, you got $500 because they're going to double whatever you put in as a way of thanking you for setting up an account and playing with my bookie here this fall. So get ready for all the fun stuff with my bookie all season long, but you've got to use the promo code Dog Nation to take advantage of it. D-A-W-G is how that's spelled. Dog Nation. Use the promo code there. Get a big deposit bonus when you sign up with my bookie today. Hey, one more thing, too, before we wrap this up on this show today. I've already gotten a lot of great ones for this. But don't forget on Friday, we'll close at the weekend style. And this week, you better believe we'll be doing that. We call it the Big Finish, presented by the Finish Long Drink. 
We love weekends around here. We love football weekends especially. And the finished long drink, always a big part of the weekends that we are a part of. And so a lot of you are the same way. And you've sent some great photos of us, to us, of yourself, enjoying that finished long drink. So hit me up on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily, and we'll kind of show you off on Friday for our big finish to the week, courtesy of the finished long drink. And if you haven't tried it yet, you should. Go to thelongdrink.com, and you can find out where you can uh, pick some up. Try the cranberry, the long drink strong, which 8.5% alcohol by volume, long drink zero, that's no carbs, no sugar, uh, but still 5% alcohol by volume, which is a, a really cool thing. How about the long drink uh, traditional? That's the uh, grapefruit flavor. It's got the gin kick. It's the blue can. I love that. Whatever you enjoy, you're going to get it with our friends at the Finnish Long Drink. And by the way, if you've never tried any, come see us at Marlowe's on Thursday. The Finnish Long Drink is going to be there with us. Come if Hopefully, you've got tickets already to be a part of our Dog Nation Duck Hunt tailgate on Saturday because the Finnish Long Drink, you know, is going to be a big part of that. If we're having a big tailgate, our friends at the Finnish Long Drink are going to be a part of that for sure. So you can try some there, and maybe you can be a part of our big finish here presented by the Finnish Long Drink each and every Friday on Dog Nation Daily. So last night we had a fun call-in show, or as we like to call it, kind of an interactive live show with uh, folks joining us on a video for that, including our buddy Mad Dog, who was, I believe, our last caller last night and a terrific, terrific uh, submitter for our golden shoes there as well. Uh, Let's see Mad Dog here. This is good stuff. He says, coming soon to a football stadium near you. It's the Georgia Predator. How does it feel to be hunted? Well, guess what? That's what Georgia's going to be doing. And Kirby Smart said, listen, we will not be hunted as national champions. We're going to be doing the hunting. We are the hunters. And that's good stuff to consider. And that's a great message there from my buddy Mike the Mad Dog. We've had a lot of great golden shoes. This is the time of year where I start to get a little bit behind on our golden shoe submission. So I'll catch up on those as we head towards the week. But uh, Mad Dog, very deserving on that today. How about Gator Hater Updater? 4,983 days since those lousy stinking Gators have won a national championship. And 59 days from now... They're going to take another loss to UGA. Now, they may beat Utah week one, but they ain't beating Georgia. It's 59 days from right now. So we'll see you then there for that as our Gator Hater updater and our Gator Hater countdown. And back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. And on the podcast, I'm off the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. We'll take your comments here on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily. We're in the comment section there at dognation.com. I also want to reflect for a moment on... You know, we do these cover four pieces at dognation.com where, you know, the four people that you most commonly read at Dog Nation, myself and Mike Griffith and Jeff Sintel, Connor Raleigh, share thoughts on UGA. And the question today was, how many touchdowns will Georgia's loaded tight end room score this fall? And, like, I'm never really great, like, all this math stuff, adding all this together. Uh, Mike Griffith says 21. And he says the defense don't have the personnel to match up in UJ's current scheme or rely on safe short routes that tight ends can turn into big gains. Um, he says that uh, that uh, Brock Bowers and Eric Gilbert have receiver skills, six seven. Darnell Washington, red zone target. I actually think what's true is is that you know what Georgia has really done here is make the tight ends more like wide receivers. When you watch Brock Bowers on a given day, I mean, he's lined up wide, you know, almost as frequently as any wide receiver would be. So, you know, when Eric Gilbert first chose LSU, when he chose to go there instead of coming here, like one of the things he said on the recruiting trails kind of always stuck out to me. Like, you know, you you don't want to go to a place where all you're going to do is run these what he called stick routes. It's basically just sort of five yards and turn around. You don't want to do that. And I mean, there's no doubt that over the course of years, Georgia has gotten more sophisticated with how it's used at tight ends. I mean, Brock Bowers last year, as much production is almost like, you know, how many tight ends over the course of years combined put together that Georgia's just gotten more sophisticated with how you uh, use them. It doesn't use tight ends because it's got no other choice. It uses tight ends because why wouldn't you want to use players who are this capable? I mean, Brock Bowers, you can call him a tight end if you want, but he was one of the three best wide receivers in the SEC last year. He's probably one of the the five best in the country right now. Connor Riley says 17 touchdowns for the group. He says, can't stop Brock Bowers. You can only hope to contain him, which is obviously a great reference to the old 90s Sports Center era. He also says, I think Darnell Washington and Gilbert will both use their size well in the red zone. Don't be surprised, though, to see Oscar Delb grab a few this fall there, too. Jeff Sintel says 23. He says uh, Bowers uh, at 13 a year ago, plus another six points off a rushing attempt. Um, he says 
He says, can't imagine any scenario where Gilbert and Darnell Washington do not combine for another eight scores. That'd be kind of impressive because obviously, you know, Darnell Washington only has one career touchdown and uh, Gilbert's going to be playing his first game for UGA. So that's a very interesting prediction. And he says some nice things about Oscar Delp there too. So if you're curious where the fans kind of weigh in on this, 8% of the folks who were polled by Dog Nation say that the Georgia Titans will score less than 15, which is kind of a bold prediction because Bowers had 13 by himself a year ago. 31% say between 15 and 18. And then 29% say more than 19. So there you go with folks weighing in on that. As we get closer to the start of the season, like the one thing you just can't stop from noticing is is this tight end position that's gotten so much attention. There's a reason why it's getting that attention because the group really is that deep. And someone joining Bowers in the you know, very rare statistical category that Brock kind of found himself found himself in a year ago. It's fun to consider that as a possibility. It's more realistic than maybe some have given it credit for. So good stuff there with our R.S. Andrews podcast cool down. Of course, you can find R.S. Andrews online, rsandrews.com, for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised, the price is promised. You can find them there on that today. They'll get your air conditioning unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs. So check them out. And we'll see you tomorrow right here for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pest Management. We'll look forward to talking to you then.